What's up guys? Welcome back to Beef's Beef. This is episode number 56. Uh, I know it's been a little bit since I've done an episode, so I apologize for that, but uh, we've got a little bit to talk about. Uh, a lot of you guys know that uh, that know me know that I'm a Patriots fan, so obviously got to touch on the Josh Gordon stuff. Uh, I'll touch a little bit on some of the uh, the NFL games and, and, and how the season's been going so far, but you know... If you listen to this podcast before, that most of this is geared towards Louisville sports, uh, predominantly Louisville football and football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, I'm going to start getting into baseball more uh, as the future goes on. It's when whenever I started doing the podcast, like I knew a little bit about our baseball team, but uh, now that I'm getting to watch it more and everything like that, it's it's a lot different. So start off with. Uh, Big news coming yesterday. Uh, my favorite team in the NFL, the New England Patriots, trading for 27-year-old uh, Josh Gordon from the what, from the Browns. So I'm pretty pumped for this uh, because this guy has the has the skill set and has the chance to be one of, if not the most dynamic receiver in the NFL. Uh, the only problem is. His head gets in the way. Uh, I mean, you go back to his time at Baylor. He went to Baylor and then transferred to Utah, but never never played a snap for Utah. Ended up going right into the supplemental draft. Uh, so you go back to his time when he was at Baylor, freshman season, uh, gets in trouble uh, when he's found asleep in a car with one of his teammates. Uh, there was marijuana found in the car. Uh, he got suspended. The other guy got kicked off the team because the other guy was already in trouble before and then subsequently ends up getting kicked off uh, the next season when he fails a drug test, uh, transfers to Utah, um, and then he uh, declares too late for the supplemental for the for the draft, so he has to go in the supplemental draft and that's how he ends up in Cleveland. Now, his first year in Cleveland has a decent season, plays in all 16 games, starts 13 of them, uh, 50 receptions, 805 yards, five touchdowns. Well, then his next season, he only plays 14 games, starts all 14 games, 87 receptions, lead the, leads the league in reception yardage with 1646, and has nine touchdowns. So, I mean, you look at this guy and you see, you know, he's 6'3", 225. He never has a problem coming in shape. Um, when he plays, I mean, you look at last year, uh, or I'm sorry, two seasons ago, he played five games. He had 18 receptions, 335 yards. Uh, was suspended in 2015, the, the whole season. So, I mean, you look at just since 2013, he's played 11 games, including the one game this season. Because the second game uh, was, was this past weekend. He comes in Saturday. They felt like he was acting a little weird. Uh, they thought he was on drugs. Come to find out, he had actually just kind of hurt him, tweaked the, tweaked his arm or something, uh, doing some like photo shoot or something on Friday. And he was trying to hide it from him. So it wasn't really that he was on drugs. It was just that he had hurt himself and he was trying to hide it from him. But I mean, there's <laughs> you you put you put him with. Arguably the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks of all time. 
Uh, I think he's the best outside of maybe Joe Montana, but I still can see the argument for him being the best. I, I don't know. I, again, that's me. That's me biased. Me being biased because I am a, a Patriots fan, I guess. But I mean, you look at just some of the things that. Uh, some of, the, some of the things that's happened since he's been in the league. Uh, suspended for two games for violating league policy on performance-enhancing drugs in 2013. Uh, they lift the suspension off of him in September of that year. Uh, then they suspend him for the whole 2014-15 season for the same substance abuse policy. Um, and then he's suspended again for an un, unspecified violation of team rules in December of 2014. Uh, they <laughs> suspended at least one year for violating the league's substance abuse policy again in 2015, not even three month, four months later. Uh, he gets reinstated in July of 2016. Uh, then they put him on the non-football injury list. And the next day, in August, they activate him. And then uh, they, they announce that he's fully been reinstated the next November in 2017. They re-sign him to a one-year $790,000 contract. In April of this year, and then uh, the, for training camp, I don't know how many of you guys actually watched Hard Knocks. I love that show. He didn't show up for all of the show until like the last two episodes. They never said why. They didn't say what it was, but they said he will be here. They just don't know what it is. And then uh, they reinstate him, and then he comes into the uh, he comes into the. Uh, I don't know, clubhouse or whatever you call it, and they think he's acting weird, so uh, they they go ahead and say, well, we're going to cut you. So what, what happens then is, uh, saying that they're going to cut him, he has to clear waivers, but they can trade him before he clears waivers so that they don't completely just lose him for just cutting him. So what they do is uh, they put him on the trading block uh, pending, I mean, they put they cut him, but pending he gets the waivers, they can still trade him. So what happens is the Patriots offer a conditional fifth-round pick for him, which to me is an absolute steal. If you get, I mean, if you get what he is, that's uh, okay. Have the fifth-round pick. Uh, that's fine. So if it, and then you don't lose anything because, like I said, it is a conditional fifth-round pick. So if it comes back to where you don't really think that he's performing. Okay, then you switch it out and they get a seventh round pick. Big deal. So <laughs> it's to me it was a it was an easy it was an easy trade for the Patriots because now you give you give Brady a dynamic receiver on the outside. Uh, you you move Edelman to where he's going to play the, against the number two receiver. Uh, move Hogan to where he's going to or I'm sorry number two DB. You move Hogan over to where he's going to play against the third DB. Uh, Philip Dorsett against the fourth, and then uh, you obviously, honestly, I don't know. I mean, you may move them down even farther because you still have the most dynamic uh, tight end in the NFL on your team with Rob Gronkowski. Which, if last game against the Jaguars shows anything, uh, when he is when he is shut down, it, it really uh, it I, I, when he is shut down and we don't have anything else because Edelman is suspended. It really hurts the Patriots a lot. So, you adding Josh Gordon to this mix now with with all those receivers, and as well as uh, I thought Sonny Michelle played pretty well, and obviously James White, who doesn't really need 
me to introduce or, or talk about him at all. You you have all these dynamics, and you're going to have the old Patriots offense back pretty much because now you got all these receivers. The Jaguars aren't going to be able to double over the top on Gronk because now you have somebody that can beat you over top with with Josh Gordon. Now you have somebody that can beat you under in Hogan and in uh, Edelman and James White and. Edelman is not a bad deep threat as well sometimes. So it, this is this is going to mix up the NFL. And, and don't sleep on Des Bryant being out there as well. There's a rumor going around that Des Bryant did tell some, tell some fans that uh, he was looking at New England. I mean, my cousin that I had on my last episode, he said, I don't think I'd want both of them. I think if there's any place in the NFL that can handle both of them, it would be New England. Because Belichick's not going to take any crap. If it, if one of them gets in there and starts acting up, all right, there's the door. You're gone. He's never had a problem doing that. I mean, you have the most dynamic receiver in the NFL and, and Randy Moss, and then you trade him away a season and a half after he breaks the NFL record for most reception touchdowns in a season. So they he never really has a problem getting rid of what, he, what people call uh, problem players. So I'm, I'm very, very happy with the move. Uh, uh, hopefully it'll help one it'll help turn around his career and two hopefully it'll help our our struggling wide receiving core that is missing Julian Edelman right now so you get you get two more games without Edelman so this lets uh, Josh Gordon kind of uh, wet his feet fairly quick in, in our offense and say hey you know go out there and then you get after two games, you get Edelman back, so it's like somebody that, I mean, he can already help him in practice, but then you get him out there in the game, and it's totally different. I'm excited. I'm, I think, I mean, I already thought we were Super Bowl contenders, and so did everybody else, but now that we get Josh Gordon, whew, it, it's, it could be a problem for a lot of people. Now, I'm not, it, we're still going to, we're still going to have problems with Jacksonville. To me, right now, Jacksonville's the second best team in the NFL behind the L.A. Rams. I think the L.A. Rams have it rolling, but I think Jacksonville's right on their toes. Their defense is unbelievable. Um, but you, you're looking at other teams in the NFL. you got teams like, uh, like I said, the Rams and the Jaguars. Uh, but a team that's normally up there, and you've heard nothing but bad things pretty much all offseason. Uh, you start the season with a tie against the Browns. Uh and then you come out week two, and you just you're still missing your star. You're still missing your star running back. Um, you're still. I mean, it's you start out zero and two, and I'm sorry, you start out zero one and one, because then not only do you, like I said, tie the tie the Browns, but you. You lose your second game to the uh, to the Chiefs, forty-two to thirty-seven. Now they made a decent comeback. Uh, they were down forty-two to uh, twenty-three, I believe it was, and made a decent comeback. But at the end of the day, they just they're not the same look Steelers. And you have Le'Veon Bell holding out uh, for God knows how long. Uh, I mean, it's looking like more and more that it's going to be week 10. Um, you have Antonio Brown arguing with the offensive coordinator on the sideline. And then you have an old uh, Steelers uh, you have an old Steelers what a f- faculty member uh, tweet something about uh, 
man, it's crazy, just blah, 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 seeing something about a wide receiver with a with a stud quarterback or something like that. I wonder if Antonio would do something like that. And he said, why don't you trade me and see? And then he doesn't show up for practice on Monday. And I, I, I don't know. I didn't think that – I mean, I felt like they were kind of getting old and – with Big Ben, I don't. I, I mean, he's losing. He's lost a few steps. I mean, it doesn't help that the guy really doesn't ever come in shape. It seems like he seems like he's always out of shape. It seems like he's always getting injured. But then your star running back, who's arguably the best running back, maybe the, probably the second best running back behind Todd Gurley in the NFL, doesn't doesn't show up. Then you have his offensive lineman talking junk about him. And you move forward, and now the best receiver in the NFL, arguably, and Antonio Brown, <clears throat> doesn't show up for practice. It's not a good look for the Steelers. It's not looking good in Pittsburgh. Uh, if you're a Steelers fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it doesn't look like anything's going to change anytime soon. Uh, I, everything that I've seen is that no one really knows about when Le'Veon is going to show up. Could be week four, five. Could be week ten. I know we know he has to show up at least week ten, and then he can play the rest of the season. But they're saying that even if he shows up week ten, that he may just come and go through the motions and not even really care. So you got to wonder at this point: is it even worth going through it? Or if you're Pittsburgh right now, do you try to trade him and try to get something out of him? I don't know. At at this point, they already signed. They already tried to get him. They already franchise tagged him. He hasn't signed his franchise tag. So even when he comes back, let's say it is. Let's say he does report week ten. He's not gonna be. He's not really gonna be ready to play week ten. He may be in shape, but he's not in football shape. He's not ready to go out there and take a hit. So uh, it's still a long road for the Steelers, and uh, it's they're gonna struggle. And it doesn't help that. Uh, Cincinnati's looked a lot has looked a, a lot more improved this season. Uh, I mean, we don't really know if that's true or if that's a, a real thing or, or what. Uh, if that's a real thing or what, but hey, you know, Cincinnati's two and zero. You can't really argue with two and zero when you got an 0 one and one Steelers. But uh, let's move to some good news, though. So. Uh, over the weekend, Louisville had two visitors in uh, for basketball at the uh, Western Kentucky game in Jemias Ramsey and Samuel Williamson. Uh, Louisville ends up picking up its uh, highest current uh, commitment, according to ESPN, and Samuel Williamson out of Rockwall, Texas. He's a uh, 6'7", 190, 6'7", 190-pound uh, small forward out of Rockwall, Texas. Um he comes in at number 52, according to ESPN, to add to number 81. Uh, Josh Nickelberry is a shooting guard out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, home of the J. Cole. And uh, Jalen Withers, who is originally from uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina as well, but transferred up to Cleveland Heights, uh, son of former uh, Charlotte uh, basketball player Curtis Withers, uh, Jalen Withers, who comes in at number 89, according to uh, ESPN. Now... According to 24/7, which is a, a site that I that I'm I pay for or that I, yeah I pay to be a part of and I pay attention to more often, um, Jalen Withers and Samuel Williamson are ranked a little differently. But these 
these two uh, committing to the Cardinals have moved them up to number four, according to uh, 24-7's basketball rankings. So you go to the team rankings and on, on 24-7, you got uh, three three commitments for Louisville. They, they're currently fourth behind USC, Kentucky, Villanova, uh, just ahead of Xavier. Uh, so you look at the commitments you have on here, the number 44th player, Samuel Williamson, number 87th player, Jalen Withers, and number 98th player, Josh Nickelberry. Um, now, you would say, well, why is that so exciting? What? If you, if you asked every every fan outside of the University of Louisville fans, uh, you would hear a big thing. Uh, uh, I'm you would hear a big thing and a lot of people saying it's going to be a long time before Louisville can can recruit again. Uh, it, it's uh, it's going to take four or five years for him to get this back together, blah, blah, blah. Don't look now, but Chris Mack's got it rolling. You get Nickelberry, who's, who then commits – or who then recruits Withers. Withers, then, Withers and Nickelberry together then recruit uh, Williamson. And I mean, look out because September 29th, not only do the Seminoles roll into town for a football game, but the day before you have Louisville Live, which I plan on going to. Hopefully, I'll see a few of you guys out there. It should be a good time. Um, which, I, if you guys don't know what Louisville Live is, they're having an open practice uh, at 4th Street Live. Uh, we'll have a few visitors, one of them being uh, David Johnson, the. Uh, Shooting guard from uh, Louisville Trinity, point guard, shooting guard. I mean, he, he's a he's a tweener of the two. He more he more leans towards playing on the wing, but can fill in in spots on the point as a point guard. And then you have a uh, a point guard, Rocket Watts, which is a which would be a huge get for Louisville. Florida State and Louisville are his two favorites as well here. And then you have uh, Aiden Agehan, who is a big man that. To me, reminds me of Montrez. He's not as beefy as Montrez, but he's taller and about the same length um, as Montrez. But he dunks the ball with with aggression. He goes after everything, playing hard. It, if you haven't seen Aiden Agehan's uh, YouTube videos, look it up. You're gonna want to have him on the team. So that is a big recruiting weekend. If we can land all three of those. You may you may hear my head explode. If we can land two of the three in David Johnson and Yagayan, I'll still be ecstatic. Uh, but I, I I fully I'm fully counting on getting two commitments in uh, David Johnson and Aiden Yagayan about Monday or Tuesday after that visit because. Uh, I do know that David Johnson did visit Georgia this past weekend and then set Louisville as his uh, next official. It's really only down to Louisville and Georgia. I, I don't know David Johnson as a person, but to me, I don't know why you would want to go to Georgia over Louisville in basketball unless it's something where, hey, I just want to get out of the city and kind of be a guy that it's not really has all the light shine on him and can just go play basketball. If that's what he wants... Hey, I ain't got no problem with it. Go do your thing, brother. If I, I'd, I'd rather have him here, but if that's the way he feels, then go do your thing. So let, let's keep keep an eye on those two, on those three uh, visitors for the uh, Louisville Live and the Florida State game. 
and uh, hopefully we can reel in two of the three, hopefully all three, because if we can get Rocket Watts, which would then be a nice backup point guard for Dave, uh, Darius Perry, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, you, you all, you all, uh, you fans of other teams that would say it would take a long time to get Mac rolling, he can get those three or at least two of those three. We're gonna have a top five class regardless. I know it's still early to have a, a to brag about a top five class now, but man, 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 We're, Louisville's gonna be problems for people in twenty about 2020, 2019. I mean, don't sleep on them this year. I think we'll I think we'll be better than what people think. So my thing is, don't sleep on us this year. So moving on to uh, Louisville football. Uh, Louisville's played two games since the last time uh, I've done an episode. Uh, they they played Alabama. We know how, we've seen what Alabama is now. Uh, Alabama is to me this is the best team that he has had, uh, and him being Nick Saban. Uh, but since then we played in a monsoon against Indiana State. I don't really think you could take much from that. Uh, other people will disagree. Uh, so you, you, you see that game, and then you have another 0-2 team coming in, or another winless team coming in in Western. Um, and Louisville struggles. Uh, losing 14 to nothing at halftime. It might have been, been 14 to 3. Uh, losing 14 to 3 at halftime. And uh, makes a second half comeback, gets the, gets the 20 to 17 win, but really struggled the whole game. And um, it hasn't looked good. I'm not giving up on this team by any means. And another thing I'm not giving another yeah another thing that I'm not giving up on is uh, another thing that I'm not giving up on is Jawan Pass. Um, I know that Bobby has already uh, has already announced that Malik Cunningham will be the starter for Game Three. But something that I, I want people to think about, uh, first of all, game one, uh, I understand he threw two picks. Uh, one of them was absolutely awful. The first one the first one was not very good either. The second one, he literally threw right to the guy. The, the, I, I, but he made a lot of throws in that game that were either A, dropped, or he made great decisions and they were right on the money and the receiver made the catch. The second game was an absolute monsoon. I, that was the first game I've ever left early in the history of me going to a Louisville game, regardless of it being basketball or football. And trust me, I could have left some games, and I, I've never left. So that's the first. That's how bad the rain was. I ended up leaving in the first quarter. I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. Uh, he I mean he didn't play well in that game. But then again I mean you have a, a pass first quarterback. It's hard to play well in in those conditions. And then you get Malik Cunningham comes in, the offense starts moving because he can run the ball. I'm not saying that that uh, pass is just a statue, but he doesn't move the way Malik Cunningham does. So then moving forward to the Western Kentucky game, if you look at his stats, he threw one interception, which was a pass that was thrown right on the money to the tight end. And uh, who, who, it was a pass right on the money to the tight end. And he drops the ball and it falls into the opponent's hands. I'm not counting that. I'm not counting that interception on him. 
He has two other key drops that would have been intercept or that would have been first downs. And then Louisville intercepts the ball in the second in the first quarter, towards the end of the first quarter. First play, they hand the ball off to Colin Wilson. Colin Wilson runs the ball for about six or seven yards. He fumbles the ball, boom. Ball right back to uh, Western Kentucky. After so that right there, you just you take into account the two the three drops, one being an interception, the fumble, two of the drops being a first down when they were dropped. I mean, that's the guy goes 0 for 3 for 0 yards, and then you take him out because the offense isn't moving. I, I'm still missing the part where this is his fault. I'm not, look, I'm not hating on Malik Cunningham at all because Malik Cunningham does great things. Malik Cunningham is not a very good passer. He threw one right on the money the other day. And to prove my point even more, look at the play he threw right on the money to Jalen Smith right in the middle of the field that Jalen Smith dropped. It's Jawan Pass is getting blamed for his receiver's drops. Going, You can even go back last season, this past April actually, look at the NFL draft. You have Rosen, you have Baker Mayfield, you have uh, Lamar Jackson, you have uh, Josh Allen, you have Sam Darnold. And the biggest thing about Lamar was, well, Lamar doesn't complete very many of his passes. And then that list comes out and it shows wow out of all these top five quarterbacks Lamar's receivers dropped the biggest percentage of balls out of any of them and Lamar had like a 13% drop of of all the quarter he was like 4% higher than any of the other quarterbacks that's a that's a huge percentage and so this this drop thing for the wide receivers isn't just starting coming into this season so it's not like, oh, man, these wide receivers just started dropping the ball, Brandon. I don't really agree with what you're saying. No, the receivers go back to last season being drop-heavy. Watch the games. These receivers drop dimes. They're, I mean, I'm talking passes that are thrown right to them, and they're dropping them. It's happened for years. And before, people try to blame it on, well, Lamar just needs to learn to have touch. No, obviously not, because Juwan Pass has touch, and they're still dropping the ball. He's dropping balls right in there, and they're still dropping the ball. So, I know I said I wasn't giving up on the team, and I'm still not giving up on the team. But I'm tired of people, one, uh, I'm, I'm going to go on a little rant here. One, I'm tired of hearing people bag on Jawan Pass. This is this kid's first starts, and to be honest with you, his team hasn't helped him for a lot of it. The running backs haven't gotten anything going. The offensive line hasn't blocked for anything. Offensive line was supposed to be our one of our biggest strengths along with the wide receivers. And to me, that's the two biggest letdowns on the whole team. You got the wide receivers dropping passes and you got the offensive line not blocking. To me, it's a that's a it's a diagnosis for something bad. When your wide receivers aren't catching and your offensive line's not blocking, I mean what are you gonna do? That means you can't throw the ball to get to, because the wide receivers are dropping. You can't get the running game going and you can't protect your quarterback. Number two, I'm tired of the Bobby needs to go stuff. First of all, who are we going to get that's going to be better than Bobby Petrino? I mean, I'll sit here and wait. I mean, I know no one can talk to me on here, but who are we going to get that's going to be better than Bobby Petrino? Cool, yeah. Let's let's go up there and get let's go up there and get Jeff Brown, the guy that's 0 three and has lost to Central uh, Eastern Michigan, Missouri, and Northwestern. Yeah, let's go ahead and get him. 
Let's let's go and try to get Charlie Strong, the guy that struggled at Texas and is didn't play in the ACC. I, it's not going to happen. We're not going to get Charlie Strong. This is totally different. Everyone's like, well, I want the old Bobby back. I want the old Bobby back. We're not playing in the Conference USA or the Big East anymore, people. We're not playing in those conferences anymore. We're going to hit struggles. It's going to happen. This team, if you look at the rest of the ACC right now, we could still finish second in our division. At at worst, third. I still think we could beat Florida State. I still think we could beat Virginia this weekend. I still think that we can beat uh, Syracuse. Honestly, right now, the rest of the teams on our schedule outside of Clemson, I still think are beatable. I don't think that uh, if we play like we did Saturday, I don't think we'll do it. But Boston College has it rolling. If you ask me to predict the rest of our schedule, I'm projecting us to lose to Boston College, I'm projecting us to lose to Clemson, and then I'm projecting a win outside of that. To me, if we go 9-3 and three going into next season and we sure up our quarterback woes, which whatever it is, we sure up our quarterback woes, you're going to hear, hear me be happy. I don't know if everybody else will be because Bobby will still be here and uh, Juwan Pass will still be here. I don't know how, how happy a lot of these fans are going to be, but hey, you're going to hear me be happy. So I think you all need to pump your brakes. I know we didn't stomp into two and one like everybody wanted to. We may have limped into two and one, but hey, guess what? We're still two and one. Could be worse. We could be zero and three. What? Let Bobby do his thing. We'll see what Willie Cunningham does with the offense this week, because we have seen a, a jump when he comes in the games. We'll see what happens when he comes in from the beginning. Look, I'm, I'm wishing nothing but the best from Willie Cunningham. I hope he comes in and. We just absolutely trounce Virginia, which we go into Charlottesville being a five-point underdog. I hope we go in there and just trounce them. But we always have trouble. And if we go in there and have trouble, I want everyone to pump your brakes on that one too and think back to the year we want, uh, we had the Heisman winner, Lamar Jackson, and think about what happened when we went to Charlottesville. Because if you remember, Lamar had to throw a touchdown pass with like 45 seconds left to win that game in Charlottesville. So, calm down. Like Aaron Rodgers said a couple years ago, R-E-L-A-X, relax. The season has just started. I know we're I know we're a quarter of the way through, which is crazy to think that we're already a fourth of the way through the season. Let them let them play. Let them play. All right. We got a first conference game coming up this weekend against Virginia on the road. It's our first true road game because of the uh, the uh, Alabama game being a neutral site. So we'll see how it goes. Then we come back home for Florida State. Well, I, I want to hear what all the people that are going nuts right now say when we beat Virginia and then we beat Florida State. And then we're 4-1 and one and then everyone's like, well, we haven't looked at it. Guess what? We're 4-1. and one. They're going to tell me nothing. So... Guys, I, like I told you, I'm sorry it had been a little bit since I'd done an episode. Uh, I, had, I had a lot to say today, and uh, I promise you there won't be a gap like that again unless something uh, tragic happens or crazy happens or something. So, uh, guys, I hope you like those hoodies and the t-shirts and, and the stickers and stuff. Uh, I was excited to get it out for you all. Uh, please, please, please buy it. Uh, not just for me, but for the Mullins family. Uh, half of all the proceeds 
uh, do go to the Mullins family. Um, if you look in the design, there is the gold ribbon for childhood cancer <clears throat> for my guy Iliad Mullins. Uh, and that that family means a lot to me, especially. I mean, I've known Michael since he was born. He's been my younger brother's best friend for their whole life. I mean, it's literally another brother to me. I have seven brothers, and I consider him the eighth one. Uh, please, if if not for me, do it for them. Uh, they're they're in a they're struggling down there with having to see their young child go through this stuff, and um, it it. It stinks for me to have to see it too, and I can't even imagine being in their shoes. So, um, wow, sorry, I did I didn't mean to get <laughs> like that towards the end of the episode, but um, guys, keep liking these episodes, keep sharing them. Uh, I'm gonna keep putting them out. I have a huge guest that's uh, has already told me they would do an episode. I have another one that I may be setting up within the next couple of weeks. At the beginning of October is when I would be setting it up. Uh, that would be the biggest episode that I have uh, as far as guest-wise. So keep looking out for these. So guys, keep liking, keep sharing. I'm going to keep putting them out. Y'all have a good one. Beef out.